We are back for another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Sandig. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. We've got things to discuss. Uh, I did a, I mentioned last last week, we've got a long interview with quarterback coach Quincy Avery, quarterback coach for Deshaun Watson, Dwayne Haskins, draft prospect Trey Lance. We'll get into a bunch of things with him. Really fun, insightful interview. We're also going to talk about this other Washington football team things, Matthew Stafford, the front office, and whatever else we discuss. And for that conversation, I bring in the man, the myth, at the legend, and the guy on the other end of the Zoom call. He is Scott Jackson, uh, the man who I just found out pro- as we're coming on, he is not a fan of the movie Moneyball, which in this household makes him <laughs> sketch. I'm just going to yeah. say, I've watched Moneyball, I'm going to go five times during the pandemic. That's how I phrase everything these days. Of, of, during of the, the pandemic? Last. Yeah, just, and in my head, to be honest, the pandemic was more before the football season started because that's when I was really locked in the house. When the football season came happened and then I started going out to training camp a bit and I actually had to like get dressed once in a while. Yeah, like, put pants on the Right, right. Like that. So now I feel like I know we're still in the pandemic, but in my brain, this is like something else. This is like something I got to relabel this. Um, in any event, over the course of the pandemic and then subsequently, even recently as this week, I've watched the money, money ball again. And Scott tells me he's not a fan. So I don't know. Really yeah. I mean, thing. what next we're going to, we're going to make movies about other um, mediocre uh, teams that don't, I mean, why don't we do a movie about the 76ers process while we're at it? You know um, how successful that was, right. Uh, who, who would play, who would play Sam Hankey though? Do you think that's, kind uh, of, that's, kind that's of a good, yeah, it's, it is important. Maybe Brad Pitt could do it again. I don't know. Um, I just prefer. Let's just, let me just leave it at this. I, I would prefer to watch Major League or Bull Durham any day of the week of that Money Ball. There, there we go. By the way, if, if we're gonna do the process, I think Brett Brown should play Brett Brown. He was my favorite coach, <laughs> my favorite NBA coach to yeah. listen to talk. Yeah. I would just go over to the to his pre and post game just to hear him. Whatever. I don't even care what he was talking about. The, right. Why they won? Why they lost? Sure. How they're defending John Wall and Bradley Beal? Any of that stuff. Oh, we couldn't even get into that, actually. Did you watch that game last night? Um, yeah, I did. And, um, you know, the, the Wizards suck. I mean, they're terrible. And I know they're missing people. But they are they're, they don't have enough shooters. Um, Bradley Beal gets numbers. You know, Westbrook gets numbers. But they, they're not good. I mean, you know, they're a bad team. I mean, I, I'm not surprised by it. They'd have been a bad team, but John Wall was on it, too. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, for, I don't for, have a problem for, with him moving him. And, you know, I don't have a problem with him being pissed off or whatever. But – you know, he's also somewhat disingenuous about some of the things he didn't do here. But, you know, a lot of our fans are buying into it, so that's fine. I, I just, you know, whatever. I mean, they're irrelevant. I mean, I, I hate it, but they're irrelevant. I mean, Wizards uh, are irrelevant again. I mean, it's so, so nothing new. So irrelevant. And the fact that they lost, like, I, I tweeted out last night, team that has missed, uh, you know, a, 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 who didn't play for many days because of yeah. COVID and now is shorthanded blue lead blue blue got blown out in the fourth yeah. quarter and back-to-back games like that's kind of the story and then people are coming up and back to me with like well they've been blowing leads all year i'm like yeah, yeah i'm not arguing that, not, that they weren't good i'm not saying that yeah. they were ever good i'm just saying right now I mean, look at the box score of last night yeah. jordan bell's playing 15 minutes the yeah. starting front court was robin yeah. lopez isak banga and um uh crap I'm forgetting. It's so forgetful. That's why I'm forgetting. I don't even. I, I honestly, I was. I just watched the game, and it was just like people running around in Wizards uniforms outside of Beal, you know, in Westbrook. Uh, you know, it's unidentifiable, or you know, who gives a crap? I mean, it's just, it's, it's not good. I mean, it's, it's not a fun team to watch. I was watching more Caps, to be honest with you. Oh, oh sorry, Anthony Gill. I forgot. Yeah, Anthony he Gill. Right. First, he made his first. Right. Right. And Anyway, yeah. my, and so yes, the Wizards are, are not good, but it was kind of fun to see John Wall and Beal go to head to head. It would have been more fun if they had had yeah. really a moment or two where they really kind of 
yeah. went at each other. Um, John Wall's comments after the game just cracked me up. He does the same thing all the time. He always talked about something doesn't bother him, then proceeds to talk about that. Right. It doesn't bother him, and then it does. And then <laughs> him going after Westbrook and Westbrook going after him. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's what I would have liked to see earlier. I would have liked to see the pissed off Russell Westbrook earlier in that game. Um, you know, look, he hasn't been good. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. He has not been good. I don't know how much of it is injury related, but and, and the problem with John is you've already seen in Houston is obviously he's missed a lot of time already, and you know they're not good either. By the way, they're in the, they're in the Western Conference worst of all. I mean, if they're in the East, maybe they would be like the eight or nine seed or something, but um, or a six seed. Who knows? But you know they're they're not good either at Houston, and they're not going to be good anytime soon either. You know they got all those draft picks. It's so awesome. And you know one of the things I laugh about the NBA and I argue with a lot of the guys who cover the league about this, and they always talk about like winners and losers and trades, blah blah blah. You know, all you're selling is is hope or the idea of hope. You really don't know if they're going to do anything. And more than likely, they're not going to do anything with this trade, right? They're not going to improve. They're not going to become a championship caliber team with all these picks. Same with Oklahoma City. And so all you're doing to your fan base is buying time. And um, in a lot of cases, you're just BSing them, right, for, for business purposes, just to keep the interest level going. And I, I just don't get excited about that. I know that day's probably going to come here probably sooner rather than later with Washington, where they're going to have to do that with Beal and they're going to a bunch of picks and we'll all go, Oh God, it's so awesome. They're going to have all this, you know, equity, you know, this trade value and all this crap, you know, they get all these assets and then they're not going to do anything with them because nobody comes to play here. Um, nobody appears to want to play here. So unless a star forces his way here, like a Kevin Durant, which is never going to happen you know, you're kind of going to be a middling franchise like they are, which, which is sad, which is sad. Cause I really care about the wizards. I've spent a lot of time around that team in the early two thousands. Um, you know, when, when Gil was at his height and I loved covering them. They're fun. Uh, They're a lot of fun. Um, but they, they, it's a lot of the same stuff. A lot of the same pattern has happened with new ownership that happened under a Paul and a Paul used to get skewered in this town. And, and the guy who currently owns the team gets a, a nice little free pass for some reason. All right. Well, there, there was a lot there, and I normally <laughs> the, the wizard part of me is like is, I'm having to hold yeah. back the wizard part of me from responding to all that, including that the wet like how Westbrook he played a little bit better yesterday, but he doesn't look yeah. close to being the nah, all star. He's not as explosive and, as he's and, and that's a pretty scary proposition. And yep. then yes, the Ted Leonsis part of this, you talk about the selling hope. That is a lot of what goes on over there. It's the, it's mm-hmm. the fake. It, it's it's what I've called used the term before, fake hustle. They, yeah. they, they act like there's something's happening. Yeah, but nothing's that, happening. But that said, we'll, we'll we'll bring Scott back to rant about the Wizards another time. But to some degree, we can use we can springboard this off of kind of where things are headed with the Washington football team, right? Because at the end of the year, there's reason to be optimistic if you want to be for sure. They win five of their last seven games. They win the NFC East. I understand with the, with the seven and nine record. That's not exactly exciting. But you can point to the fact that a lot of the players who were behind that the, the, the turnaround late in the season were the young players. Your Chase Young is the whole defensive line, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Cam Curl, if you want to throw him in there, and so on. And that's why there's some optimism. But the reality is, kind of need a quarterback. <laughs> like oh, yeah. that's a, that, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of a thing. And so we can, you know, everybody can sell whatever optimism they want if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, or at least the perception of one, i.e. draft the guy in the first round and sell that product as the, 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 the great hope, you know, it's hard to get terribly excited about them unless you have a legitimate all-time level defense, not just the top 10 defense. We're talking 85 Bears, the Ravens with Ray Lewis, you know, that level, and, and Washington isn't there yet. So, of course, this brings up the point of, well, what are they going to do with quarterback? And, we, again, we talked about it now 
last week, uh, last podcast for sure about Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, uh, we'll get into some other uh, conversations uh, here. And I don't personally want to buy into the Deshaun Watson thing. I think that's just, I don't see how Washington yeah. gets involved for what that price tag would be if he's available. But I guess the question is like, let's sell that hope. If they right. get Matthew Stafford, and let's just, I mean, I don't want to say, and then they go get Allen Robinson, and then they go sure. get a, yeah. they draft a linebacker. Like if they, get Matthew, right, if they get Matthew Stafford and they bring back basically the team they had last year, what are we talking about? What uh, can can you sell the hope? That can the can can you legitimately sell the hope that they are an actual contender in the NFC? Not not just for the division, not just to not not just to get ten wins, an actual contender in the in the conference. Uh, if they got a really if they upgrade the quarterback position and add a, another receiver or more weapons, yeah, I think they can be. I think they still have some issues in the secondary as well that they've got to fix. Um, you know, Darby's gonna be a free agent, so they they got to keep him. They certainly need to figure out who the third corner is because I think you know the guys that played there, you know, more was you know he was just okay. Um, you know, they also have to figure out that. You know, how do you how does Cam Curl and Landon Collins coexist? Is going to be interesting as well uh, when, when he's back and ready to go. So there's some things there, and obviously the linebacker position. I think there's two players you need there. So I, I'll be curious to see how they handle that. But I think there is a feeling if they got a guy like Matt Stafford or just Matt Stafford, we could say there. I think they would they would jump up. Um, Dallas is still going to be good, by the way. I think they'll they'll be better with with Dak back, and I'm assuming that they take care of him. Uh, Philadelphia I, it looks like they're going. I don't know where they're going. To be honest with you, Giants, you know, all things said, they were having the same kind of season Washington was having without their best player playing in Saquon Barkley. And I think there's a lot of things that they should be excited about with their defense, too. It didn't get maybe as much pub as Washington's defense. They're they're really tough defensively. Oh, yeah, by the way, you haven't beaten the Giants in forever here. So I think, you know, it's not an automatic that they're the NFC East champs just because, you know, they would get Matt Stafford. But I do think it increases the chances and certainly, you know, moves them up the ladder, potentially the NFC, if, if, if the other parts continue to improve, but they got to improve, you know, we always just but, assume everybody's gonna be better each year, but it doesn't always work out that way. Right. Now, like I, I see people on Twitter or, you know, in other, or other sites or, you know, just in general saying, you know, go with the move of, you got to go get per, you yeah. know, player X, quarterback X. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I, you know, I, I I don't always want to be like, oh, you have to go do that because I just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's just, it, it sets up, I, like we, we talked about when we're talking about just the Wizards a second ago, this idea of kind of what you're selling. And I, I, yeah. don't, I don't like selling false hope as if, if you say you got to go all in on this player and then you don't get him, then, well, I guess we're done. Yeah, right. 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 So I don't like doing that. that, that like KD to DC, for example. <laughs> right. Yeah. Great, great example. Now that yeah. said. I do kind of feel like this position that they're in, and I wrote about this on the athletic uh, that you can, you can go subscribe there and check that out, that they kind of almost do. It does kind of feel like they really do need to explore the Stafford thing to the sure. nth degree. And because of the yeah. fact that, you know, with, with the growth that we saw last year, now obviously I think the defense wasn't as good as maybe some of the statistics suggested, but there's reason to believe that they could be, um, that they could be really good and they still need some help at linebacker. They were missing Landon Collins for most of the year, Matt Ioannidis for most of the year. Um, and, you know, also I think, and somebody pointed this out to me the, the other day, maybe we have to recalibrate how we view a top 10 defense these days yeah. because the offenses have just so many advantages. Nobody shuts anybody down really. 
you're just having to hold on as best you can and make some plays. And, you know, they did that at times, particularly against bad teams. Um, but the reality is you've got this first place schedule now. I mean, it, it is a murderer's row of opponents that they're going to have to go against all, all to all the four teams that were left in the yep. super in, in the playoffs. Uh, like you, you mentioned, Dallas should be better this year with Dak Prescott coming back. Um, you know, the, playing the chargers with Justin Herbert, you know, whatever, all that, all, 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 all that stuff. Uh, you know, New Orleans. So their schedule is going to be harder. They clearly don't have the answer for quarterback. And just to draft one, I don't. Is Ron Rivera really going to wait another year or two for this player to develop after what he just went through? I don't think so. I think they need to kind of make the move now. And I think that it is does kind of feel like to me Stafford or bust based on the market. So I am kind of moving myself into the position of they kind of have to go get him. Yeah, well, here's the problem is there's other teams that probably feel the same way. And I, I think the one thing, yeah. you know, people question Stafford and, and how good is he because he's been on such bad teams. I mean, there's some things that you can really look at about him um, that has that I think would translate. I mean, first of all, the amount of teams that think he's good that are good franchises, right? I mean, everybody thinks the 49ers are, you know, the smartest franchise that doesn't make the playoffs every other year. But anyway, um, they're really <laughs> all in on him. Uh, you know, they might be in, interested in him as well. Obviously, the, the Colts who – appear to be again a quarterback away um just like they were this past season um you know you're, you're hearing about new orleans potentially who's losing a hall of famer drew Brees. looking at him who am i missing here um that uh, is also you know into him so i mean there's those are those are some you know there's just some people that you know you're going to be bidding against the other part of it is do you think detroit cares hey let's get him out of the nfc i'd rather him be in the afc I, I don't know i mean i don't know where detroit's mindset is on their on their rebuild and how far away they are would dan campbell like to help his buddy down in new orleans and sean payton more so than he would like to help you know the former gm of the franchise and martin may i mean all these things i mean so we can all say or are they just going to be like hey whatever the biggest bid is right whoever's going to push all the chips in more chips in because this is going to, you know, this thing could potentially be blowing up because the market's getting hot and teams are desperate for a veteran, um, you know, is it, going to be interesting. But I think, you know, look, he's a gunslinger. He's had a lot of comeback wins. He's had less talent around him. He's shredded this team. I don't know how many times in a row that when he's played, they've they've beaten this team and he's been really good uh, in all those games. So I, I think he would be good here. Yeah, there's some accuracy issues. I mean, there's a thing a few years ago, John Gruden pointed out on Monday Night Football, the way his football tails off or something. That was one of the reasons he theorized there was more drops in Detroit and why Calvin Johnson had more drops, even though he's a stud than anybody or at one point. But I, I don't know. He's, is he better than anybody they would have lining up currently? Absolutely. Um, is that worth a first and a third? Yeah, I, I think it could be. But is it worth – I don't know, two firsts, uh, if you, you know, and a third and another pick, you know, then you start to start to get a little uneasy. I mean, cause I think this thing could get out of control. That's what probably scares a lot of fans of this team is knowing how they felt like they overpaid for Alex Smith. They overpaid for, you know, McNabb. They've overpaid for a lot of things in the past that that position had been wrong, overpaid for RG three, uh, and that trade, which, you know, wouldn't have been an overpayment if it actually had stayed like year one, it would have been, nobody would have cared. Um, but that's the thing that you, that you worry about. And I just, I don't think it's, I think there's going to be a lot of teams bidding and it's just going to imagine, I guess it just comes down to like what in Washington's mind is the right price. and like, what's too much. Yeah. Yeah. For, 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 for sure. I, I, um, and then I was part of what, what I was writing about, like there's, you know, the, yeah. the, the Colts of the team that everybody's sort of targeting yeah. based on with Phillip Rivers retiring the cap space they have and just kind of where they're at. 
right now. And uh, obviously the Patriots would be a team that, you know, New England's uh, the one I forgot. Yeah. New England's another team. I mean, with the, you know, and God, who wants to help the Patriots, but uh, you know, again, right. Detroit, you know, Detroit's a new franchise it's new leadership again. Um, you know, you got to be selfish. You just got to get what's best for you. And there's teams that obviously have lower picks than Washington. And I don't know if the 49ers would give up their first form or not. I mean, I don't know if they're that desperate to move on from Garoppolo. Now, if, if Aaron Rodgers were really available, then that would be a whole different conversation for them. But I don't think he is. And, I, and I'm with you. I think the Watson thing is going to be too pricey. And it, look, if these stories about Deshaun Watson are true, that he really prefers to go to the Jets or the Dolphins, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense if you're the Texans to start those conversations, even though, hey, yeah, he's going to be in the AFC and that's going to be painful to watch. But those are the teams that have more assets and, you know, and, uh, and the higher picks and, you know, the teams that you could probably get more out of. And if that's, you know, that, that's great. He did them a huge favor by throwing that out there through friends or whatever. So, and I don't believe he shot it down at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, those teams make the most sense for sure from the Houston perspective. And if he's yeah. willing to go, I mean, look, Miami – should have been in the playoffs, arguably. Yeah. Blew, the, blew the last week, and that you know things look like you know, sort of even more upside than what was sort of being shown here, you know, yeah. to some degree. Uh, but 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 sort of a similar story where a quarterback could make um, all, all the difference. So like if they don't get Stafford though, now the good thing about the Stafford situation, it, it feels like according you know if you see some of the reports out there and just yeah. like I, one thing that somebody I, I used a quote in in my story from a, from a, a personnel executive around the league. You know, saying that this league, it's just like panic mode all the time. Yeah. That's, that's not the example, yeah. but that's like the basic quote. So if, if, if there's panic mode out there and some teams are like, hey, we have to go get Stafford now, and this happens pretty quick, um, then you know kind of where you're at if you're Washington. So then the question becomes, well, then what do you do? You know, we can talk about draft, and I know people have said that. The draft is in late April. By that point, the free agent market is over at yeah. quarterback. Yep. Free, you can maybe at free agency still grab your John Bostic-type players. But sure. if you want a legitimate quarterback, that is probably gone at that point. Um, yeah. And so then what are you looking at? You know, Cam Newton's back out there. You know, I get it. We're all going to make that connection as we did a year ago. Ron Rivera passed. Now Marty Herney's here. I don't think Cam Newton did anything in New England that makes me think you got to go get him. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, uh, you know, uh, you know, if, one, if, if Garoppolo gets, you know, Stafford ends up in San Francisco, I guess Garoppolo becomes available. Um, if the Jets get Watson or draft a quarterback, maybe you trade for a, you trade for a Darnold. But at that point, I, I don't know. Nothing. I'm not saying these things aren't necessarily better than the Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith triumvirate. I'm just saying I, I I don't I don't I don't have an obvious plan at that point, and that's why to me, like the Stafford thing becomes yep. even more intriguing because at least I know what he is, and everything else I'm just sort of like Ugh. <laughs> I don't now, know. Now here's the thing: like if you don't get Stafford, let's just throw him off the table here for a second what is is cam newton um a cam newton signing or a Jameis winston signing um or tyrod taylor or a trade for darnold is that better than having the three guys you have now smith kyle Allen, and, and taylor heineke look i think it's pretty clear that ron rivera actually highs has kyle allen in higher regard than a lot of people right. i just don't know how much higher is it higher than cam newton you know at this point in his career is it higher than Again, one of these guys on the outside, I, I don't know. And, and that's the tough thing to, to figure out. Um, is he believe enough into Kyle Allen that he say, hey, I'd be comfortable going to the training camp, letting him be the guy with, you know, Heineke behind him and some other guys coming in. You know, that's obviously discounting Alex Smith's situation here. 
uh, you know, and we don't know what they think about him either. You know, I, I, I think that's the other conversation that, that has to be had here. And obviously if they get Matt Stafford, then that conversation's over. But if they don't get Matt Stafford, you know, how long, I guess, too, does, does the deliberation in the Alex Smith household take? <laughs> and has it, or is it already a decision that, hey, I'm playing again next year, whether it's in Washington or wherever, or is he still on the fence? And, you know, how are those conversations going? So, I mean, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that are swirling beyond the whole, hey, let's go get Matt Stafford that, that you got to wonder about. And, like, where do they rate these guys? I think there might be some thought, even though Cam Newton wasn't good in New England, but if he got back with the people that made him good and he was actually healthy, which is a big if um, as well at this point, that maybe they could get enough out of him with, again, it was kind of like the Carolina quarterback trio, right? <laughs> with Kyle Allen behind him and, uh, and Taylor Heineke, which is essentially, you know, what everybody's saying this has become Carolina North anyway. So, I mean, there could be that. And the Darnold thing's intriguing because the Jets – um, have said all the right stuff about him because they wanted to tip their hand. Uh, he's in, he's intriguing because I think there has been some good there. I, I like Jameis Winston still. I, I might be an idiot. Dude, but no, I, this I, is, I really I, wanted Jameis Winston to play in New Orleans this year more. I, I, I can't stand watching Taysom Hill play. It's like Tim Tebow part two all over <laughs> again. Slightly better passer. It's not saying a whole lot. But I, I, I think Jameis Winston, if I was New Orleans, if I'm Sean Payton as big an egomaniac as he is, I'm surprised he hasn't just – said I can make Jameis Winston something I mean I don't know man no there's, I, I, I like there's a lot of things I like about Jameis Winston outside of like the turnovers but I mean he makes some plays I mean I, I don't know I, I I would be intrigued if he was available I, I'm, I'm with you I was waiting uh, as soon as you paused that I was gonna say if I, I just like pulled up the list of the potential quarterbacks yeah. and if you look at it from the perspective of what what's where do I have the most upside with yeah. the least downside? Like, right. like Sam Darnold is interesting, right? The problem yep. is one, you would have to trade for him, and two, yep. is he becomes contract, he becomes extension eligible after this coming season. So yep. you really have to know: am I giving up? I'm just making this up a second yep. round pick right. to get this guy, and I I have to make a decision by next year. I'm I'm basically going to say at that point, I'm giving him the money. Uh, we don't know what he is. He might be good, right. but I don't know. Uh, the Cam Newton, I, I, you know, look at. The ceiling isn't very high at this point. It's no, not up here not for that guy. Yeah. Now, Jameis Winston, the the ceiling is high. There's definitely some 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 floor is maybe low, but what's the cost? If if you get, if Jameis Winston hits free agency, which for the record, if, if the Saints let him go, yeah, maybe you do have to ask the question: Well, what don't they? Well, why are they but, letting him go? Right, right, right. But but that said, we we know he can produce and. The cost will be nothing because he'll be. I mean, again, other teams may be interested, but just yeah. in general, I can't imagine anybody's throwing Jameis Winston a big money offer. If you still have Kyle Allen as sort of let, let them compete, I mean, let them or, compete. If yeah. have yeah. a real competition that Ron Rivera didn't get last year, but that's fine. At least Kyle Allen is a guy that is the you know uh, the Colt McCoy guy who can come in play a game or two, worst case scenario, and you know allow you to run your offense as you kind of want. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Winston is the most interesting on that on that front. Um, I know I got to get you out of here because you have to get back to real life. Anything, <laughs> uh, anything else for you? Um, there's obviously we have since we talked last, they've added two dudes in the front office. There's going to be some other front office changes coming up. I, I think it's too. interesting. Yeah, I mean, w- what's next for Kyle Smith and where does he go from here? I mean, it doesn't seem like uh, there's a seat for him, right? I mean, I think that's the intriguing part of it. And you know, I don't know. I mean, was it just, you know, I don't know what the reasoning was for why they did what they did. Was it just, hey, I need to have the people that I trust that I want to be, you know, with guys that, that I know that, that are my people uh, that are insulated around me? Is it just, you know, is Kyle Smith just kind of, 
you know, stuck in the, stuck in the, uh, you know, Hey, he was part of the past guys. Is that why has he been labeled as that? And is that why he's got no future here? I think it's intriguing because, you know, there have been some good things done in the draft. And of course, you know, we have not really known the structure over there, even before uh, Ron Rivera showed up, you know, they used to always say Redskin grade when they were still the Redskins. And we never really knew who was the, the quote decider, although we kind of know who was when it came to the quarterback and Dwayne Haskins. But, you know, so I think that's the tough evaluation here with, with Kyle Smith, but I think it clearly is if you've paid attention to, I think there's a lot of uh, folks in our fan base that are, and angst over this Kyle Smith uh, that what appears to be imminent departure at some point. Yeah. I mean, I talked about this the other day, Kyle Smith is not going to be back when he actually exits is sort of a question, but you know, he can probably read the tea leaves. Uh, yeah. This is one of these things where I don't think you need me or, or Scott or Adam Schefter or anybody to yeah. lay it out for you. Just kind of look at, at kind of what's going on. Uh, go follow Scott on Twitter at Jackson sports. Um, don't hang up the podcast yet. I'm going to talk to Quincy Avery. He and I talked last week, right before Dwayne Haskins signed with the Steelers. But uh, really interesting thoughts from him about what went wrong with Dwayne Haskins this year. What is right with Deshaun Watson? What does he love about Trey Lance? And more uh, quarterback thoughts with Quincy Avery. Let's get into that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, excited now to bring in a guest here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Uh, obviously, if you're a fan of the Washington football team, he's a name you've definitely uh, heard about a bunch over the over this past year. Uh, he, and of course, if you're a, a, a fan of football and particularly the quarterback position, you know this guy for sure. He is Quincy Avery, quarterback coach to the stars. And I don't say that like lightly. I mean that like for real. He's the guy behind uh, who's helped Sean Watson and others achieve their heights. Uh at Quincy underscore Avery on Twitter. And so first off, Quincy, man, I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, how, uh, I just asked you this offline, but we'll just ask you online. How, uh, how's it going? It's a very weird year, but this is a fun time of the year. They got the NFL playoffs. The NFL draft is upcoming for agency. You've got to be busy as hell. How's, uh, or you're about to be at least. How's it going? Yeah, I've been pretty busy for the most part. We started draft prep. I've been working with uh, Jamie Newman and Trey Lance since October. So we got an early start on it with, um, you know, COVID and how that's affected everything. So it's been different, definitely a unique year. And then um, football season wrapping up for some of my NFL guys now. So trying to put together a plan that's going to help them maximize their success for this upcoming year in our offseason training program. So it's it's really cool to just start moving in a different direction. Um, hope we can start living uh, a little bit more normal pretty soon, but we're making do. Um, and, and life is good. So I wanted to actually ask you about some of those guys you just mentioned, because obviously with Washington in particular, the NFL draft is going to be very interesting, potentially at least at quarterback. And, and, I, and I do want to ask you kind of about, you know, some of the other guys, I mean, Dwayne Haskins and, and Watson, some of that stuff. But just to start with the draft, obviously, I think we all get what a quarterback skills coach like you does uh, to a degree. We've seen the workouts and we, you know, you, you had, it was a really interesting profile about you in the Washington Post and you've been, you know, you're, you're mentioned throughout. And I think people, you know, get a sense as to what, what a quarterback skills coach could do, but this is a, we're doing this during a pandemic. And I'm just wondering, how, this is, it feels like a very hands-on situation. How is the pandemic? What, what's the most, what's the most tangible way that this, the situation we're in has impacted a guy like you when you're working with a Trey Lance, who's potential, top 10 pick in this draft. Um, how, how has that affected what you try to do out there with, with, with a guy like that? 
So in, in terms of that part, the on-the-field training, that, that's pretty much remained consistent, like pre- and post-COVID. Uh, we, we've been able to do all the same things. Uh, the thing that changed was actually getting to see my guy, like the tangible, like for someone like Deshaun, right? That's someone who I would traditionally fly into every week during the season, and we'd get together, we would talk, we would work out. Those things would usually happen during the season. Those things didn't happen in the same way. I didn't want to fly in. Um, put him at risk and do things like that. So uh, we changed in that way. But when we're on the field, when you actually get to the point where you're on the field, that part is consistent. That remains the same things that, that it's always been. We get a chance to work on the same things. Um, we work on the same ways that we've always worked on them. So um, it, it is, it's been a, like a tale of two sides, a lot more things virtually watching film, talking, collaborating virtually. But then when we get on the field, that, that part is able to stay consistent. So so when you said like during under a normal year, so any any year before this last one, you would fly into Houston presumably and 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 work with Deshaun pretty much every week. Um, even though you know they have their own quarterback coaches and things like that. He 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 wanted you to come in there because you know him so well and you, and you guys have worked together to sort of going to go over whatever was something that happened the week before or, or tighten some things up. Is that kind of how that would work? Yeah, I'd fly in every Sunday. We would um, go to dinner. Then we'd go over the game. We'd talk about the game, figure out how he can improve in terms of his, like, personal fundamentals and be more consistent in that way. Um, there's things that I don't talk about with him, like the reads and things like that, but I'll ask him questions just to continue to make him think. And, and those are the things that we would do in order to help him become – like who he is as a quarterback. Now, obviously, it's his own life. He can do whatever he wants. But do you, when you do that, are you in touch with the team, the team, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the quarterback coach, whomever? Like, do you talk to them at all about sort of, I don't know, make sure everybody's on the same page or whatever? Or does it just, no, Deshaun's my my client, my guy, and I just work with him. Whatever he wants to do, tell them it's up to him. So it would be like, you know, when you want to get married to a woman, you don't really ask for permission. You just tell them that you're going to do it and hope that they're okay. <laughs> and that's the same situation that we essentially had with the Texans. Like I would text their OC and I would text their quarterback coach. Their, their QB coach is somebody who I actually trained um, when they're in the NFL. So it was, it created a situation and it was, it was pretty seamless. A lot of the things that I talked to Deshaun about would be the same things that he would talk to Deshaun about. Uh, but he also had a, a, well, really the thing that the NFL coaches focus on more so than what I focus on is the X and O's, how to make the reads, what they're trying to do, who they're trying to put in the bind, right? So that's their focus. They don't talk to these guys as much about how do you actually do it? Like, how do you get your feet in position to do this? How do you do those things? And those are the things I focus on. So it really is a, a relationship that ends up working out really, really well. I was looking through your Twitter feed over the last few days, knowing that we were going to talk. And one of the tweets you had from Saturday night. So this is, we're talking Monday morning. Uh, so obviously the NFL playoffs just happened, which I'll want to get yourself some thoughts. And you said, uh, tweeted Saturday night, watching quarterbacks, not, not essentially be aware of what's going on with their protection and how to find, find a completion <laughs> makes my ass itch, which is a funny a funny, a funny tweet, and I don't know who you were talking about specifically, but is that sort of what you're talking about? That like when you're watching these games, you're viewing the, you're viewing the mechanics, the fundamentals, what they're actually uh, kind of doing, and, and also like you know to the point of, of 
of seeing the reads. Like you're looking at the whole package, not just the game plan, but you're looking at what the guy is doing out there, which is obviously probably different than how most of us are, are, are looking at the game. Yeah, and I'm always like just trying to figure out, do they have a plan? Like, Do they have a process when they approach the line of scrimmage and are they able to execute that? And when I was watching that game, I just saw too many times, and it wasn't really one guy specifically, specific, but there was too many times where the defense would provide them with the pressure or four to one side and things like that. And they didn't either, A, flip and send their protection that way, or they didn't get the ball out of their hand to throw hot. So those are the things that really make me upset or frustrated in terms of watching quarterbacks because those are the things that get people fired. And those are also the things that allow you to be successful and really start completing passes at a very high rate. And I think, um, like we saw Deshaun, he was like a 70% completion guy this year. And it's not just because he was doing all the electric things. It was because he was taking completions. He was aware of what was going on. He saw the pressures. He threw into the pressure. Um, and those oftentimes – those four-yard passes turn into 12, 15-yard gains. And that's what's going to allow you to have long-term success in the NFL. The, uh, that, that Saturday night game, that was the Baltimore uh... – That was the Ravens-Bills game. Right, okay. Um, how do I say this? Obviously, you've got a bunch of clients already. You, you've got – we mentioned Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. You worked with Dwayne Haskins here. You mentioned some of these guys in the draft. You have other guys. Um, you've, I think you've said – uh, you you have you, you work a lot of high school guys, of course. You think it said on your website you put 140 guys uh, have, that you've worked with have, have earned D1 or D2 scholarships. So that says a lot about what you're able to do. Does it obviously you look at a basic level? It's a capitalist a capitalism society. You want clients as many as you can get. I'm sure you can only have so many that you can work with at any moment in time. But I'm sure you want it from that perspective. But does it just sort of bother you when you when you watch when your whole job is to make these guys better? Does it like just burn you up when you see, oh no, what 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 is going on here? That you just like almost want to like reach through the screen and grab the guy and say, look, come work with me. I can we we can get you to that next step that you're kind of that you're kind of missing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of me does, but there's also more of me, and and a lot of me does want to grab those guys and like, hey, I want to help you out. But then there's also times where I get a little frustrated with coaches because. If the best guys in the world are doing this, it's not because they're not smart enough or talented enough to do it. Um, they've got to do things to reinforce um, what you want in order for them to execute on game days. And then it's also a little bit hard for me in terms of taking on more NFL clients. Like when you get um, – when you work with someone like Deshaun, and Deshaun's more like my brother than just like a client, but you work with someone like him, that, that kind of becomes like your focus – Right. You spend a lot of energy, mental and physical energy to making sure that they are OK. So you can only have so many of those guys. I know people can say that I work with you can work with a lot of different guys, but there can only be one guy that you really are like tied to in, in that you way. Like I couldn't. You can't fly yeah. to every city every Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Right. And if it, it might have been a situation where I flew to Deshaun one week and then flew to a different quarterback another week and then Zoom. Like there's I mean, that that would be OK. But then there's the offseason. Um like Deshaun sends me all the whole schedule for the offseason. It's like, all right, let's figure out our time. Um, and, and it's tough to work around a number of different guys like that. Um, let, let me, I, I do want to get to, to, to Trey Lance and some of these other guys that you're working with because, like I said, uh, you know, one, it's interesting in general. And two, obviously, from a Washington perspective, their quarterback situation is up in the air. But since we just mentioned Deshaun, I guess I'll just ask. Uh, obviously he's in the news these days. There's questions about what he wants to do with Houston and, and how, and, you know, he's upset with the organization. And from what I gather, there's a lot going on with that place, even beyond him, that there's a, a lot of internal stuff going on that that's kind of bonkers for, for sure. Are teams 
have teams already started to reach out to you as somebody you just said is like sort of like, you know, your brother kind of do, are, do teams reach out to you as somebody who knows him as intimately as anybody professionally to ask questions about what's going on with his mindset or kind of where he's at or what kind of a guy he is, things like that. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of different NFL teams pretty regularly, especially during the draft process. So it's like constant communication. They're always throwing me different questions and, um, I'm just answering them to the best of my ability when, when those things come up. What, what like, when, when you see all the headlines, like, it's one thing for all of us to, to see, like, oh, he's gone from a two to a 10, as he himself <laughs> tweeted tweet, tweeted out but, uh, uh, in terms of, like, his frustration with the situation. What's it like knowing you know stuff, you, you're on the inside. What's it like seeing the speculation about what's going on? Is that, is that? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a unique situation, right? Because, you know, when you grow up or all those times when you're watching things and you're seeing things on TV and like the headline and people are all trying to figure out like they're trying to investigate and figure out what's going on. And it's different when you know exactly like from start to finish exactly not only how he feels, but what's going on in the organization and then what conversations are happening in the back channels and then see how things get put out. It's really, 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 really interesting. Um especially for somebody like me who never really anticipated a private quarterback coach turning into this. I mean, he obviously had a great year and I mean, I don't think I was questioning or people were questioning whether he was a really good quarterback, regardless of whether DeAndre Hopkins was on the team or not. But obviously when they make that trade, which a trade that was universally panned the second it happened, I think sort of fuck us to say sort of like from a fantasy football kind of perspective, questioning about what, what what numbers would look like because you take away such a game-breaking receiver. And yet Deshaun still put up really good stats. And if you look at some advanced numbers, he was arguably the best quarterback in the NFL this year, uh, or at least you know, right there with Patrick Mahomes in, 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 a, in a lot of ways. What what stood out to you about his play this year that, was, that allowed him to maintain such a high level, even though no Hopkins, there's a head coach firing <laughs> during the season. It's not like they had a ton of other obvious offensive weapons. What, what about Deshaun Watson made him – so successful uh, this year, despite all that. He was a lead above the neck. Like all the things in the pre-snap process, post-snap process, he was as good as a guy, right? And, you know, I was talking to you earlier about the ability to see things in protection, see rotation, understanding what defenses are doing. He's gotten so much better at that. He's, he's like leaps and bounds. He gets hit less because he sees more and he understands more. He understands what defenses are trying to do. He gets the ball out of his hands and creates a situation where he's – able to he's able to play so well on schedule that it makes it really hard for defenses and now teams can't blitz them and pressure them like they used to right you can't if you can't blitz them then you're in real trouble because then he gets to create time in the pocket and then when things aren't there then he's superman right then he gets to create outside the pocket get the ball down the field or run and score a touchdown like he does everything that you would want a quarterback to do and he's playing at an elite elite level above the net when you you said that he typically will send you a plan for the whole off season, do you, I see you probably on some level, go back, break down his tape, look at all that. And then do you come to him with ideas and say, okay, based on what I just watched, here are the, the things in maybe in some sequence that I think we should focus on or things we should focus on the most, or does he come to you and say, Hey, I need to work more on my, my drop back, my, you know, my, my ability to whatever, to, you know, throw, throw, throw a deep out, whatever. How does that sort of dynamic work? So I'll watch every game and I take pretty detailed notes on the games and then I'll have play numbers in terms of the things that I think we need to work on. Right. 
And then I'll go back through each of the 16 games that he had this season. And then I'll look at like, what are the common things that come up? Right. And then those play numbers. And then when me and him get back together, we go ahead and watch those plays together. And then we come up with a, an area of improvement. Like, okay, I think we need to get better at this. And it's more of a collective. It's not me telling him what to do because when you do that, everybody doesn't have the same level of buy-in, right? I want him to know when we're doing something that's really, really boring, right? We're doing something that's not fun at all. He's not like, why are we doing this? Because we can always look back and say, we're doing this because we said we wanted to get better at this, this, and this. That came up this game, this game, and this game. Played 46, played 28. Like, those are the things I want to do. I, 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 uh, I just finished watching the the series Cobra Kai on Netflix. Mm-hmm. If you were, so, obviously, it's a playoff. You know, it's a follow-up from the Karate Kid. And part of the whole Karate Kid movie was, you know, he's doing all these menial tasks. And he's like, why am I doing all this stuff? And then, of course, it's like, all these karate moves. So when you said doing all this boring stuff, that's like what I'm picturing in my head. Like you're doing all these things like, why are we doing this? But then it leads to the bigger picture. And obviously in the movie, he doesn't know that. Whereas you're telling him up front, Hey, look, this is all leading towards something. Just uh, be patient. I, I relate everything right now to Cobra Kai as a very good, uh, very good series. If you haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sorry. Probably- sorry. I got somebody called me and it, it went disconnected for a little bit, but now oh, I'm yeah. back. No, I haven't seen Cobra Kai yet. People have been talking to me about it. I think I'm going to hop on pretty soon. Oh, it's pretty good. You're breaking down other tape, but when you have a few minutes to, to watch fun, you know, non-football stuff, I I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I recommend. What do you think? I mean, just to stay on what do you? what's his – like I said, he's already clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but what's the next step for him, do you think? Uh, I don't know if it's to get to another level, but what's the next step for him and, and you know, in, in his progression? Um, That's tough to say. March so um, a little bit closer to that is when I'll really have like if you ask me then if you ask me February 28th what are the things that you get better at then I probably have a really good answer for you <laughs> um, well let me let me ask you this so obviously you you worked with Dwayne Haskins this uh, you know as far as I know you are you guys still you guys are still together now yeah I mean I, I'm I well I text him so we'll, we'll figure it out we're, we're gonna figure out a plan in order to, to help him out Okay. Um, obviously, individual talent is individual talent, but obviously, we just watched Dwayne Haskins here, and obviously, you know, he didn't have a, a great second season, and they ultimately decided to move on for seemingly reasons that maybe had to do with more off the field, but maybe not completely. What What's the difference between what we see with a Deshaun Watson versus uh, what, what what Dwayne Haskins is going to like? What's this? What when you when you have these two clients? Again, people are different just in general, but what's the difference between where, where Watson is and where, say, a Dwayne Haskins needs to get to? What do you, how would you sort of compare you know, th- those kind of situations since you're working with both of them pretty closely? Yeah, I think that um, some of the things that Dwayne struggled with have been well chronicled. Like, people have a really good idea. It wasn't just the football part. Like, in terms of talent, he's one of the most talented guys that I've ever been around. I think that he's going to have a tremendous opportunity to improve on the maturity side, both off the field and on the field. And that will allow him to have real growth at the position, right? Um, when, as I, as I talked about those guys in, in the game in terms of protection and getting the ball out of their hands, well, then it's, it's, it's other levels that are even before that, right? Like that makes me itch, but even before that, like, making sure I'm able to go through my reads correctly and do the things that I need to do each and every play when these guys are coming at me to tackle. Like he's got to start really, we got to 
focus on the basics and at a, a real rudimentary level and then like and then continue to stack on and add development pieces after that and I think that he's going to be able to do it because he is that talented and I hope that we're able to figure out a way in which we can we can get the task done because he's there's, there's few people in the world with as much physical gifts and talents as Dwayne. Um, we're here talking with uh, Quincy Avery, a uh, noted uh, quarterback skills coach. You can go follow him on Twitter at Quincy underscore Avery. He's talking about football all the time there. And you can check out his site, quarterback or QB takeover dot dot com. Um, to stick with Dwayne just for a second, obviously, you know, you mentioned some of the maturity stuff in terms of the on the field stuff. You know, he obviously has a talented arm. That's been that's obvious and, and well documented, but he just never. You know, in in the two, towards the end of his rookie season, it seemed like things were starting to, to maybe fall into place a little bit, but we never really saw that unfold this year. And it felt like they really had to sort of dial back the offense at times. With him there, it was a lot of underneath stuff, and um, there, there was a, there was a lot of questions during the season from Ron Rivera with regards to um, uh, situational awareness was a term that was used, and we saw that sort of unfold a few different times. Um, this is what I'm fascinated by: the the, the notion of instincts. Um, you know, we, we, I, I totally get that a pl- somebody like you can work with a guy and, and, and develop skills that he needs to, you know, torque his body or his shoulder or, or move in a certain way or, or read certain things to make to be successful in certain ways. But I always think instincts, I always question about can be can instincts be improved upon? I, I typically have covered the NBA for a long time. And you see some guys that come in there who have no idea how to play basketball, no matter how talented they are. And typically those kinds of guys who are more athlete than uh, thinker, I guess, never seem to get better in that realm. And when I've talked to ask people, can you improve instincts? Uh, I guess the best answer I get is like anything in life, the more you do something, the better maybe you can recognize it down the line, how to improve on it, but that it's kind of hard. I'm curious as somebody who does what you do, can instincts be improved upon or do you kind of have to have that going in to a situation um, and that's what I kind of wonder with Dwayne. Does he, d- did he have the instincts to sort of make that next step? Yeah, I think that, um, I guess there's different types of instincts. Like I can improve my instincts to move in the pocket and navigate when somebody's attacking me because I've went through that move over and over and over again, just like a boxer, right? A boxer, when they're going and hitting the mitts, right? When they see the, the, their, not their sparring partner, but their coach flash their hands and come at them with different moves. They don't think about it. They've just done that so many times that they react, right? And all the things that I coach, I coach guys to be able to react in an instant, right? Which creates, so in the pocket, you have better instincts to be able to throw balls when people flash open. That creates a higher level instincts. Like those things can be trained. Now I think that there's some other instincts um, that are more interpersonal that, that may be harder to train or harder to develop. Um, and, and I'm not very sure on that, right? I don't necessarily have the answers to that. But I know on the field, a lot of the instincts that we are, a lot of the functional movement instincts that we hope to train and adapt, we are able to create, um, are able to improve upon. You, you said that, like, at least for Deshaun, that you were watching, you watch all his games. So I'm assuming to some degree you watch a lot of Dwayne, if not every game, most of them mm-hmm. or, or whatever. What stood out to you this year watching him play 
what was the thing when you said like, you know, you're yelling at the screen or get, or what, what were the things that you were thinking about? Was it more about him, the system? What were the things that you were noticing or thinking about when you were watching him this year? Uh, to say, um, I think that when I watched it, uh, I wanted to see a lot of other people want to see. I wanted to see him um, just play a little bit better, right? I wanted him to consistently show improvement. Um, and I think that he flashed. There was times where in which he flashed and showed people that he was able to do some things. Um, but I wanted to see that play in and play out. I wanted to see that guy who had a process, right? And, and just like I talk about a lot of other quarterbacks, like that's the thing that I want to see. And that's what separates people at the highest level is being able to have a process when you're out there. You know, I, I mentioned you had you were profiled by the Washington Post. My friend Les Carpenter wrote about your story, your journey to this point, and it's a really good story. It was back right, I think, right when about the season was starting. It's really good, and and you put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get where you are. You you uh, you, you started off at UCLA as a as a as a grad assistant, but then after a few years of that, you decided you wanted to do your own thing. You moved back to uh, to Atlanta. Uh, you slept in your car for a while. To try to you know, you know to get this thing going, you really put in the, the the time and the effort, and eventually you get you hooked up with Josh Dobbs, who's now the one of the quarterbacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that sort of got you on, got you kind of recognized, and it's kind of taken off from there. And clearly, you've put in the work since then um, in all kinds of ways. As a, as somebody who is that focused, who's that dedicated, who was willing to put yourself on the line like that, does it is it frustrating? Then I, I don't necessarily say this for Dwayne particularly, but maybe when you're working with people who maybe don't put in the time and the effort and, and, and both the, who, who don't believe for the way that you did, is that frustrating just to, 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 to know how much you burn to get where you are, to, to, to see others, maybe not? Yeah, to see people at whole like squander their talent or their ability um, to maximize their potential, it, it, to me, I feel like that's like, the highest level of disrespect, right? Because there's so many people who are willing to do so much to have the talent that that elite level talented people have to not maximize every day and go out there and do everything that they can and in order to maximize those and see how far they can go. Um, it's frustrating, but it's also a thing for me is like, well, well, maybe that wasn't their passion, right? Maybe that was a thing that a lot of other people pushed them to and always knew how great they were at it, but they didn't really love it in the way that we wanted them to love it. And and this is what we get, right? We get people who might not um, maximize it, but the thing that makes me the most frustrated is when um, people's words and their actions are not congruent. When you tell me you want to be the best, but they won't go out and do the work in order to be there, right? When you post and tweet and do all these things about how you're this and that but when the time and the opportunity comes for you to go out there on the field or actually do the work in order to be successful you you squander those opportunities um, and that's not necessarily something for Dwayne it's just as a whole for really people who are very very talented and they don't make the most oh, of okay. hold on one second how you doing yeah, I mean, obviously, and, and I hear what you're saying, it may, that may not necessarily be you're talking about Dwayne, but obviously one of the questions for him here was, is he putting in the work? I know his rookie year, I was told that like they met, they, they, they judge like how much you watch tape and that his, the number for him was pretty low. And that was one of the concerns that the coaching staff had. And 
don't know the exact degree what happened this year, but I think there's maybe still some of that. You said that you have reached out to Dwayne. I think you sort of inferred you had texted him, but has he not? Have you talked to Dwayne since the season ended? He, he's yeah, we we went back and forth a little bit. So, gotcha. Now I was just curious if you've talked to how's he doing. Basically, you know, obviously it ended in a rough way for him, and I was just curious if you've talked to him on that front. Like, you know, kind of how's he doing, or kind of where he's at right now with you know what he wants to do. No, not so much, but I'm sure him and I will get together in this all season. We'll kind of figure it out and just have like a heart to heart and see where he's at. Okay. Um, by, just out of curiosity, I presume you at least watched some of Washington's other games beyond Dwayne and, and they had uh, Taylor Heineke obviously became a big story in the playoffs and, and Kyle Allen was somebody that started for them. And then obviously even Alex Smith, what are your thoughts about Washington's as a guy who does what you do? What are your thoughts on Washington's quarterback situation? Do you see a starting NFL quarterback kind of here, or do this is where they have to look at guys like a Trey Lance and I'm not to saying that because he's your guy, but you know, do they need to look, whether it's in the draft or for agency, do they, do you think they need to find a piece elsewhere? They're, they're likely going to have to find a piece elsewhere. Like the starting quarterback's probably not there. I think that Kyle Allen to me is one of, it's going to be a really good backup in the NFL for a long time. Right. Like, because not only, can he get you in and out of games and win a game if he has to start? But he can also um, be a really good guy in the locker room. He's going to do everything right. He works really hard. Guys love him. And he also really, really believes in himself. And I think that's a key component to being a good backup quarterback. Um, we saw Heineke play a couple games um, in the same way that we kind of saw Gardner Minshew with the Jaguars play a few games, right? In, in those instances, you can go out there and you can – do really well it's a lot different when you're pegged as a starting quarterback for NFL franchise and you have to really be the guy um, that, that's a little bit different and not saying that um, he doesn't have a career in the NFL he, he may right he may be able to do, do the things that are needed but I think that people saying that he could be the future quarterback after two games is a little bit um, it's a little bit off um, in terms of my judgment it's not something that I would be willing to do. Is that because the situation – because what, a starting quarterback is so much involved with it. It isn't just on the field. You, you are the face of the franchise more or less, and you have to do so much. Is it sort of the situation becomes so overwhelming that for some guys it's just – they're just not – they don't have everything they need both on and off the field to deal with it? Or is it more like the opposing defenses, now that they know you're the guy, they were really game plan for you? Like, I mean, I'm sure Tampa Bay planned for Taylor Heineke, but to, only to some degree because – you don't even have that. You wouldn't even know what you're dealing with. But, but right. now going forward, it's like all in. We're planning on this guy, and now we're going to really take away things from him that maybe you know he, he can kind of get away with it under this sort of substitution situation. Yeah, it's an interesting mix-up of both of those two things, right? One, you had the pressures of being the starting quarterback and all the things that happened between in the locker room, out of the locker room. Those things, those begin to weigh on you, and then you also have the added component. Um, the added component of people being able to game plan for you, right? You're now the guy that they want to plan for. They want to beat and they want to create a, a game plan based on the film that they've seen in order to defeat you. And that's not something that Tampa Bay really had. They didn't know what he struggled with, what, what they could do to make it difficult on him. Um, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to take anything away from him because I think that he performed really, really well when given the opportunity. And that says a lot about somebody um, in those difficult times to be able to do that. But, I think that it continues to become harder um, in this game in the NFL. So I think that it would behoove the Washington football team to 
um, go get a quarterback. And it doesn't have to be one of mine, but go get somebody and, and figure it out. Well, I was going to ask you, like, I mean, you know, if, if Ron Rivera hit you up and said, hey, you you look at all these quarterbacks around the league, obviously we don't quite know if, say, a, a Matthew Stafford will be available. They, they, they've uh, Detroit's a higher GM, but they uh, – well, I guess we kind of think we know who their coach is going to be. I think they're going to hire Dan Campbell, but whatever. We don't know what their exact intentions are with Stafford. I guess Cam Newton could be available, and maybe John Watson might be available. What would what, you say to, to, to Rivera? Is there somebody out there that you think – Makes sense for Washington. That's a, that's attainable, or, or you know, even if it is, go all 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 in on on Watson. Like, what would you suggest if you were if Washington came to you, or maybe it's the draft, whatever. What would you suggest for Ron Rivera if he asked you what Washington should be their next step at quarterback? Um, I would I would tell them depending. I mean, I would tell them they probably should draft a quarterback. I think someone like Alex Smith is somebody who's really really dependable. He's limited in terms of like his physical ability, especially at this point, going through what he went through. Um, but I also think that he he did a great job and a phenomenal job of being positive in the locker room, um, especially when Dwayne was a starter. Like, he did everything he could to help him. And I think that um, he'd be a great guy to not only learn from for a year, if somebody got drafted in the organization and they're like, all right, we're not going to make you the starter this year, but next year you're going to be our guy. Learning from someone like Alex Smith, um, I think you can't, um, you can't discount that. And I think that was something that um, was very, very beneficial to Patrick Mahomes in his career, right? So those things are important. <clears throat> those things are important in terms of, of building a quarterback who can be successful. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure people are listening to this or dying me to ask, so I'll just ask. I don't think Washington has the draft capital to get Deshaun Watson, even if that was an option. I mean, when you look at what the Jets and Miami have, uh, both teams with top three picks. Both teams have younger quarterbacks that they want to trade back. They have other first-round picks. Washington just has your traditional sort of setup. I don't think they have anything close to that, and they're not going to trade Chase Young or anything like that. So I don't know. But, like, what do you think happens with Deshaun? You, 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 what, if you had to guess, is he playing with Houston next year? Uh, so that's out of my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair, fair, fair enough. I had, to, I had to ask. So let's talk about some of your guys. Trey Lance. I remember last year, the draft had ended, the, the 2020 draft ends, and you automatically start seeing new mock drafts. And I think it was Daniel Jeremiah had Trey Lance as, like, the number – he either said he was the number, number two one. quarterback. Yeah, and obviously we knew Trevor Lawrence was the, the guy, and I was like, wait, Trey Lance? <laughs> like, really? And I didn't know much – you know, I wasn't paying attention to North Dakota State. Don't, don't, don't – uh, don't, 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 don't hate on me, people. But, like, I, I was like, wait, what? What are we talking about here? And I remember I asked some people around the league about this. I was like, is this a crazy thing? And some people honestly didn't know too much. Other people were like, yeah, he's really interesting, but we'll have to see. Now, of course, the pandemic was already in full flux at that point. We didn't even know what would happen this season. But just to go back, Trey Lance in 2019, 28 touchdown passes, zero interceptions, zero, none. I mean, I don't care what level you're at. That's a pretty crazy – Crazy stack, completed 67% of his passes. And, you know, we can say it's a lower level, whatever, but, you know, Carson Wentz, same school, right? Um, and that's uh, – I know Carson Wentz's reputation is not so hot today, but, like, in general, Carson Wentz has been a very good a very good NFL quarterback. And obviously he's been intriguing. But then North Dakota State pushes their season back to the spring because of the pandemic. They play one game, such a weird dynamic. And I mean, Trey Lance didn't light up that one game. He did throw one pick finally, but two touchdown <clears> passes <throat> and so on. And now he's been working with you <laughs> this whole time. It seems like he is going to be one of the most interesting quarterback evaluations 
I don't want to say ever, but maybe. I mean, because he played on the lower level and now hasn't played, basically won't have played for like a full calendar year, you're the guy who's working with him. Tell, tell us, what, what does the world need to know about Trey Lance? What makes him such an interesting prospect? Trey Lance is one of the most um, disciplined, hardworking, meticulous quarterbacks that have ever been around, and he's 20 years old, right? So all the things that we say we want out of quarterbacks in terms of doing the little work, being organized, being prepared, doing the things that are necessary, he's going to do all those things. And to add on to that, he's as physically gifted as you would want a quarterback to be um, in the NFL level. So um, the things that they asked him to do at North Dakota State was vast. They asked him to identify protections, flip his protections, um, call his own routes. Like he was, they threw a lot at him um, as a as a redshirt freshman at NDSU. Um, when when they're giving him, they're, when they send him to the line of scrimmage, they'll give him a protection like fifty or sixty combo. Right. That means he knows his five man protection. They're not telling him which way this slide the line to. He has to figure out the slide and which who's going to be his mic point each and every time he goes to the line of scrimmage. They'll give him a half field concept, right? Like half the field, they might say, hey, we're running um, stick on the left side, right? And then the, and the, the tag, the backside with Trey, right? So he had to come up with one, the whole protection. He had to come up with 50% of the passing concept based on the leverage that the defense gave him prior to him addressing the line of scrimmage. Um, and then he had the the freedom really to get in and out of almost any play. So he's been asked to do more than anybody at the college level was asked to do for, um, I think he ended up playing 16 games that freshman year. So he played more games than almost anybody else. So his one year is almost equal to a lot of guys, two years in college football. Like he, he did a lot in terms of the college level. And he's so, 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 so gifted. He's going to make somebody very, very happy um, but they had the opportunity to draft him early in this, this upcoming draft. Um, what, what, so what have you guys, you said you've been working with him since like October. What, mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you guys like, what, what, are, what do you kind of work on? How do you, what's the progression for what you, when you, where you guys start? Like, it's like the meme uh, on Twitter, how it started, how, how it's going or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you decide to start on? What are the things you're working on knowing that you're progressing up to a point I don't know if that point is the senior bowl, the combine, or I guess not the senior bowl, but I don't know if that point is the combine or the draft, or it's just to make him a better quarterback. What, what's that start and what's that progression like? Yeah, it's, it's had to change and pivot a little bit as we find out that they're probably going to cancel the combine, right? You're usually working your way up to be really dialed in for the combine so you can throw really, really well there. And then after that, you're thinking about your pro day, right? But now it seems like it's just going to be the pro day. So now we're really just trying to – make him a better overall quarterback so that when he steps on the field, he's really, really prepared to be successful. Um, he's, he's ready to do a good job. And when he hops out there that his first NFL start, people are aware that he is um, as good as he gets. Um, I believe I, I read somewhere that you have, have at least in the past worked with Justin Fields, the Ohio State mm-hmm. quarterback as well. Are you still with yeah. Justin or, or was that, uh, or was that it's a little tricky? Yeah, it's a little tricky working with two guys that high in the draft. Sure. Um, and Trey was out in October, um, and he committed to the draft process first, so able to to do that. And I'm still here for Justin. I mean, I've, I've known Justin since he was in tenth grade, so he's always going to be somebody there to support and to give everything that he needs. And when he wants to do his virtual sessions or whatever whatever that looks like, uh, I'm, I'm going to be there for. Him. 
So not to compare them, like, you know, in a, I'm not trying to ask you to pick one or the other, but like, obviously he's a guy that people are more familiar with because he played at Ohio state. We've watched him on the mm-hmm. big stage the last couple of years. So how do you, comp- so pe- for people who haven't seen Trey Lance, how do you sort of compare these two guys, maybe both in terms of style and maybe in terms of like, you know, being ready. Cause on the one hand, I think Justin Fields, you can make a case still has some growth to do, but he's played more than Trey Lance, but you know, how, how would you sort of compare these guys again, just because Justin's somebody that maybe people are more familiar with? Yeah, just think that they're both, they're two guys who are really, really ready to play really well at the NFL level. Um, they're both gifted athletically. They both have the ability to do real damage with their legs and with their arms. And they're both very sharp kids and they're going to be able to work really hard and get a locker room to rally around them, right? You, you aren't going to cross too many people who aren't fans of those guys who've had the opportunity to spend any real time with them. So I think that those are two franchise-changing quarterbacks. And I think that they're both going to be really successful because they're both um, just physically talented. Um, one question that comes up for me is, so obviously in terms of Dwayne, one question that was issued for him off the bat was he only started one year at, at, in college. And you know how much experience did he have? And then obviously – you know, we kind of saw how that played out here. Sorry, I mean, sorry, I dropped you real quick. Can you oh, can you repeat the question? Yeah, no problem. I said when 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 Dwayne even even before <laughs> Dwayne Haskins was drafted by Washington, one question was he only started one year at Ohio State, and mm-hmm. um, therefore, how much you know, did he have enough experience to be ready to be thrown in uh, to an NFL game, kind of off the bat? And we kind of saw how that played out. Now these guys have played more than him, although with Trey in Trey Lance's case, he only really has started the one year you mentioned reasons why maybe it's more than just a year because of how much they threw at him. But in terms of sort of being ready for the NFL now, you have Trey Lance, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, and then obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick, barring (laughs) something we don't see. I I assume that maybe Trevor Lawrence is the most ready to go, but how do you sort of look at these quarterbacks in terms of being ready to go? Because like if I don't know if Washington, maybe they trade up. I don't know if any of these guys will be there at 19. But if they were to, you know, for any team, if you draft a guy, it's hard to not play him right off the bat, pretty much, as we see. What's your sense of these guys, in particular the guys you know the best, being ready to start pretty quickly? Um, I think there's going to be a learning curve with with all of them generally, right? Even Trevor. I don't think that a lot of things that they're asking Trevor to do are as similar as the NFL as I think a lot of people think that they are. So I think it's going to be a learning curve there. Um Justin's going to – I mean, they run some NFL concepts, so that'll be interesting. And then Trey probably has the most NFL-type concepts and and puts the most on his shoulders. But um, it's going to be a learning curve in terms of the level of competition. And I think that the one who's going to have the the biggest leap or the the biggest transition from college to NFL is going to be Zach Wilson. I think that his is going to be the most difficult transition. And not saying that he can't. But the thing that all four of these guys have, and I think that's really critical when you're a young quarterback, is the ability to be to use your legs, right? Because you just haven't seen these pictures before. When I say pictures, I mean like defensive personnel and setups, right? If you haven't seen them, they're going to be a bit confusing. So you're going to need to be able to do something with your legs to get you out of tough situations. And all these guys have that, right? So when things get cloudy, they'll be able to use their legs. They'll be able to run around a little bit and create big plays. So I think that, I mean, I think it behooves most of them to not not start initially when they get there. But um, the way that we are at the NFL level, we're not really giving guys that opportunity. And, and we're in a, a 
the league that has such a short war when they think somebody is good or is not. We're in a really instant gratification type society. I think that if that's the world we're going to live in, then we should really be really mindful about how we're, how we're setting these young quarterbacks up to be successful. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the opinion I would almost never start my first round pick year one as best I could avoid it, barring injury or something like that. I, I just think more, more often than not, just over and over again, it's not so much that they're not even ready, but you can, it feels like you can discourage them a lot. I always go back to the David Carr, but, you know, it's like an easy one to fall back on. But other guys over the years, I, I just would always wait as best I could. But, look, at the same point, Justin Herbert got thrown in the deep end this year and obviously had a great year. So it's all relative, I guess, to the player and the situation. You have to know. But just the idea I, – I remember with Dwayne, his first year, people wanted him to play right off the bat. I'm like, no, wait. <laughs> you, you give him a minute to, to, to sort things out. And, obviously, I think that probably would have benefited him, but it's not the way it worked out. Um, I want to get to a couple other things before in our last few minutes here with uh, Quincy Avery. Uh, Jamie Newman, you mentioned, Wake Forest uh, quarterback, or he played primarily at Wake Forest. Uh, you were working with him as well. Now, he's somebody who, uh, who transferred to Georgia, but then ultimately opted out of this past season because of COVID. Um, you know, he, he, he's, he's got some big numbers. His, his size is almost identical to Dwayne Haskins. What, what's your sense of him? And I think it's important for for Washington fans to consider guys who won't be picked in the first round because if, say, for example, Washington adds a veteran quarterback or maybe just goes with an Alex Smith, Kyle Allen combo, maybe you draft a quarterback somewhere on day two or three. I personally would draft a quarterback almost every single year, round somewhere between rounds four and seven. You can never have enough. We, we see that every year. And I would have a guy in the development system at all times. But tell us about Jamie Newman. What's what's his situation? Why should people be interested about him? He's really talented. He, he um, The offense that he ran at Wake Forest caused him to do a lot of analysis post-snap, a lot of option routes, a lot of seeing things as they happen. And, and that plays well with the NFL game, right? Because guys are always moving, transitioning. The, the original picture is often different to, than what you get um, as a snap happens. And he's going to be prepared for that. And also, he, like the other four guys that we talked about earlier, is really, really dynamic with his legs. And he's going to be able to get you in and out of bad situations um, if they give him something that he hasn't seen before and he, he has to make a move with his legs. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was going through your Twitter feed earlier. Good, good, good Twitter feed. A uh, couple other things that stood out. Uh, one, one thing was we're talking about Trevor Lawrence. He's likely going to be the first pick of the draft, which means the Jacksonville Jaguars have that pick. And or they just obviously hire Urban Meyer as a coach. One tweet you had the other day was, I'm really interested to see how adults who make more money than Urban are going to take his coaching style. Uh, he's like a lot of these college coaches, a uh, uh, taskmaster, I guess, in some degree. He's the guy totally in charge. But the dynamic does flip a bit on the NFL level because, like you say, these guys, one, they're adults, and two, they some of these guys make pretty good money. And now maybe it's not as big of a deal for Trevor Lawrence coming in because he will just been left the college scene. But what's your sense of uh, what, what do you think about how that's going to work, maybe particularly with Trevor Lawrence, but just in general, how do you see that dynamic playing out? I think Urban Meyer is a pretty smart guy, and he'll figure out that the way that he coached in college is not going to be the way that he'll be successful coaching the NFL. So he'll 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 be flexible enough where he's able to be to get his message across and communicate with these men in order to let them know his vision, his process, and, and what he wants to get done. Um, but also allows them to know that um, he respects them as people. I'm not saying he didn't respect his college players, but you, you get the dynamic is drastically different, right? They really, really need you in college. These guys don't need the head coach of the NFL. 
And um, obviously, in you know, Kansas City advances to the AFC Championship game again. They won Super Bowl last year, and everybody's kind of waiting. When's Eric Bieniemy, the Kansas City offensive coordinator, going to get a head coaching job? And, and there's a lot that goes into that as to maybe why he hasn't yet. But at the moment, he hasn't. Again, we're talking Monday morning. At this point, I believe there are two openings left, Philadelphia and, and Houston. And right now, Eric Bieniemy is sort of, I think, in the mix for both. But we'll see what happens. This is what you tweeted the other day. Uh, now, this, had I think, had to do with sort of, I assume in some relation to the Chiefs had the gutsy call to go for it on fourth down uh, from their own uh, right around midfield with the game on the line. They had to just, if they get, you know, they converted the first down and that sealed the game. But if they had not gotten it, then um, you know Houston would have the, or Cleveland would have the ball in good shape. Anyway, they go for the play, but people were sort of I think questioning like Andy Reid's obviously on the offensive side. In any event, you tweeted. Uh, I'm so amazed that folks talk about Eric Bieniemy and question, does he call plays or does he not? That's so unimportant in who your head coach is. Your head coach builds a culture, leads men, and makes sure they are in positions to succeed. You guys are doing this wrong. I think that's an important component to this that I always agree with you. It isn't, it is about a leader of men at that spot where I think we're seeing that in Washington with Ron Rivera. And I've seen it over the years in the, in the bad head coaching hires they've had, uh, Joe Gibbs was a leader of men. Steve Spurrier, at least on the NFL level, maybe wasn't as an example. Why do you, th- what do you see with Eric Bieniemy? Why do you think he would be good? And I guess since Houston is one of these teams that still has a, an opening, do you think would, he would make a lot of sense there, especially with a guy like Deshaun that you know so well? Um, I, I think that we've seen people be selected as head coaches and be very successful. And they weren't necessarily play caller. Um, I think that, Harbaugh does a great job in Baltimore. He's never called a play. You know, he's a special teams guy. Joe Judge, same situation. He didn't call any plays, right? But they were able to build really good culture around what's going on. Eric Bieniemy may or may not call plays, right? So whatever people decide that they're going to hang their head on, he does or he does not, right? He still designs a lot of their plays Monday through Friday, right? So he's in, involved in an intricate part of that. But, but, to a man, every single person I talk about in that talk to in that organization, when they talk about him, they rave about him and his ability to communicate um, and create a culture on the offensive side, make people feel hood, feel heard and understood. Um, and he gets everybody moving in the same direction. Right? He's got a lot of different, unique personalities on the offensive side of the football, but he always gets them to work together in order to make sure that the common good of the team is first, and they win games. And I think that when he gets his opportunity as a next, as a head coach, um, as he moves on and takes over a head coaching role, he's going to be able to do that not only for an offensive side of the game, but he's going to be able to do that for all 53 men on that football team. Um, so people not hiring or questioning Eric Bieniemy's um, ability to be a head coach for a football team, they're, they're very much so missing the point. Got it. Um, well, we, we've hit a bunch of topics. I know I need to let you go. Is there you got any burning thoughts about the NFL quarterbacks, life in general that I didn't think to ask and you uh, maybe haven't put on Twitter yet, but that's kind of uh, you, you, you got in the chamber. You're ready to uh, you're, you're ready to let the world know. <laughs> nah, nah, not on top of my head. I just um, um, I, I'm disappointed by the NFL's hiring practices. There's now two African American head coaches in all of the NFL. Um, in a league that's 70% minority, um, that's something that that has to change. Um, and it shows that this is a league that's 
a circle of good old boys and a good old boy network. And those are the people who constantly get jobs and get promoted. And until they make a strong concerted effort to fix that, it's going to continue to be a problem. And um, the NFL, the commish, Troy Vincent, all those guys have to do a better job. Do you, um, as it stands right now, they uh, on the GM side, Detroit hired Brad Holmes, and we believe that Atlanta is going to hire Terry Fontenot. Uh, mm-hmm. those, those would be two uh, uh, minority GMs. M- minority GM. Does that uh, does that give you any? Uh, There's a couple. Does, black that signs, does that show you some progress, especially if these guys are on the executive level, the ones who are going to ultimately make some of these hires? Yeah, what does that? Here or there, it's less than five. Right, and we have one black team president, right? right? And team presidents are the guys who get to stick around, right? Those are the guys who, no matter what goes on, those are the people who stay constant with the, the organization. I'd like to see more black team presidents. And as those things start to change, those right hand men to the, the owner of the organization in a different way and be more open to uh, a larger level of diversity, both at the GM level and at the coach meetings. And obviously the, the one black President Jason Wright here in Washington, he's not really on the football side. So his level is, uh, his influence is on the business end, not even on the football. And he's not going to be involved, as far as we know, with, with right. making decisions about who Washington is going to hire as a GM. So to your point, it's not, it's not even really that guy yet on the on the football side in, in, in the league. Yeah. Um, awesome. Quinton, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. We're all going to be watching you. Uh, ch- checking out your work uh, again. Good, good, good Twitter follow at Quincy underscore Avery. Go, go check out the site qbtakeover.com. And obviously, we'll be interested in see how Trey Lance goes in particular. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> you, 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 Deshaun Watson, Dwayne Haskins, I'm sure we'll be watching them as well. Thanks, man. Stay safe out there and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for this episode of the Standing Room Only podcast. Big thanks to Scott Jackson and Quincy Avery for their time. You know, Quincy's uh, mic uh, uh, had a couple of snafus here and there, but hopefully you guys enjoyed that. A lot of in-depth, and he was really candid, I thought, with the way he talked about um, Dwayne Haskins, Deshaun, what makes Deshaun Watson work, and his breakdown of Trey Lance. I don't – yeah, 19, that seems unlikely that Washington has a chance – to get him, this is regardless of all the Matt Stafford situations, but obviously a very intriguing prospect. And you know the type of guy, if you do like, maybe you say, "Hey, we, we couldn't get Stafford in free agency. Maybe the move is we need to make a, an aggressive move up in the draft to go get one of these top four quarterbacks." Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility, um, without question. Washington is at the Senior Bowl now, though they're getting a better look at some of these guys. Mac Jones from Alabama uh, is, is there, so. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they uh, what they come up with. All right, um, more podcasting, more podcasting going to be coming up. I think I'll have another one this week, but if not, then we'll uh, we'll certainly have uh, so, some things lined up for next week. Uh, I already have some guests lined up, but it's just a matter of timing and when, when you can catch up and all that stuff. So, uh, always appreciate you guys. Really do for real, for real. The 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 the, the downloads are, are getting better by by the episode, and I, that, that's just you guys helping spread the, the vibes out there to the world. This is something we need to, uh, that people need to be aware of. That's it for now here on the Standing Room Only Podcast. And until next time, see you.